Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I am your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. This show brought to you by Rock Auto, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low pricing. All the parts a car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Uh, all right, so today's show, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is the Locked On Leafs podcast. Follow it on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead, leave a comment and a rating as well if you could. Uh, that would be fantastic. Hosting a giveaway once we receive uh, 50 comments and reviews. So get those in. Let's win some prizes. Big day today. We're just a couple of days away from game one of the NHL playoffs, the qualifying round between the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. So I thought... Let's go ahead and let's get a Blue Jackets reporter on today. So that's exactly what I did. Aaron Portsline of The Athletic will be joining us. He'll be stopping by in just a couple of moments uh, to come. And and we're just going to preview from the Columbus perspective. What's going on over in their mind? You know, I've talked about what's going on with Toronto for, for the last couple of weeks now. How our mindset is. I think everybody knows where I view things as we sit right now with this series coming up between Toronto and Columbus. But we're not too sure exactly. What's going on over on the other side? So I thought let's grab someone from the other side of the aisle to talk about what's going on uh, with the Blue Jackets. So we're going to try and figure out, you know, who are some unsung hero X factors that he believes will uh, will step up? Who who is going to start in net, according to Aaron? Who, you know, how is it? I also asked him, how is it being a reporter, a daily reporter with a coach like John Tortorella? Because it's only been a couple of weeks since hockey has come back. And I'm pretty sure there's already been three or four sound bites from Torts alone uh, about him either lashing out or just not answering questions for the media. So, you know, but going to ask him about what it's like covering a team with Torts as the head coach, um, especially now when they just have so limited access as is and Torella could just up and leave, which. He does anyways, but now he doesn't even have to look at these people in the face. Um, so we're going to chat about that. And then a real quick game of cosine, no sign, and, and get his thoughts on uh, a couple of other outcomes from the series. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good time. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here he is, Aaron Portsline from The Athletic. All right, joining me over the phone today, we have a very special guest. We got Aaron Portsline from The Athletic, the Blue Jackets reporter. Aaron, how's it going today? Doing very well, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm eager to get things going. You know, it's been four months since we've seen hockey. I got my first little taste of it watching the Leafs game the other night against the Habs. Tonight, the Blue Jackets, and you will be uh, able to watch them get into action tonight against Boston. So I'm sure you're pretty stoked to be able to watch Blue Jackets hockey actually play an actual game as opposed to just practicing more and more uh, as they've done throughout the last couple weeks. Yeah, it'll be good to... You know, have them actually put some things on the table, right? You look at the look at the lines look like against another team. Who looks good in net? They've got a lot of questions to answer. Um, yeah, just as, and I think you know it's easy to forget now because they they've been back for training camp, but they had so many guys banged up and injured um, that just for those guys to get game action again, and in some cases for the first time since February or January. Um, for those guys, that'll be really beneficial, hugely beneficial before they step into a uh, series against Toronto that, that's going to get serious really quickly as a best of five. 
So before we do get to the to kind of previewing this series against the Leafs and the Blue Jackets for tonight, uh, what are you expecting to to see tonight? Which players are you referring to when you say you know it's good for them to get to get their legs uh, back under them, get their feet wet, and get back to playing hockey because it's been so long? Who are you excited to watch tonight? Well, I think the I think the biggest question for them is in net. Yes, I mean they have to decide. <laughs> I think they feel like they've got two options, but they've got to decide between uh, Merzlikens or Corpusalo. Um, it's a big decision. John Tortorella said yesterday he expects somehow, some way for both of them to play in the five-game series, which really isn't, I guess, a vote of confidence on for whoever they pick to start. Um, but I, I don't think they – they may have a guy that they that they think has an edge right now but I would suspect tonight's game will go a long way to determining who gets the opening nod. I mean, at some point along the season, both of them had stretches where they really dominated, and they were clearly the guy. Corpusala was an all-star, didn't play in the game because he had knee surgery, um, and Elvis Brzezlikens had a stretch from December to eh, mid-February that was as good as any goalie in the league. Vezina-type numbers, sure. five shutouts in eight games at one point. Um, so it's not that they don't have a good choice. They just feel like they have to make the right one. And again, there's not a lot of time to sort things out in the best of five. Do you think this is just Tortorella kind of playing the whole smoke and mirrors type thing? Like he's he's known for being a little difficult uh, and known for keeping his cards pretty close to the chest there. is this Does Torts really deep down, do you think he knows who's going to be starting on Sunday for game one? Um, I mean, he may, he may have an idea. I don't think he's articulated it behind the scenes. I don't think the players are aware of it. Um, I guess you, you know, I've, I've heard and this isn't locked down, but that Merzlikens is is set to start tonight in the the game against the Bruins. So maybe that's an indication that somebody has a uh, a head start on this. Um, I, he probably does deep down inside feel like he has an idea of where this is going, but I, I don't think it's a closed competition now. I think I think there's still some, there's a chance there for one of those guys to change his mind if, if they play well and the other guy doesn't. Definitely, and for me personally, from at least perspectives, I think I fear Merzlikens more just because like, I do recall and look back on that eight-game stretch where he had five shutouts uh, when he came in and, and I guess relieved Corpusalo when Corpusalo got hurt, and it just seemed like he was going to run away with the starting job to, to no fault of, of Corpusalo's, just the fact that he got hurt. And then uh, he ended up getting hurt himself, and, and Corpusalo kind of took the net back. Uh, so it's, it's definitely going to be a battle, and I'm interested to see who ends up uh, winning that one. I think you're right. Tonight will be kind of telling to see if if Merzlikens gets you know strutted out there and, and plays really well in his half of the game. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he'll end up being the starter as well on Sunday. Uh, real quick, I do want to I do want to ask because it's only been a couple of weeks, I guess, now that that uh, hockey's been back since Phase Three and having to deal with John Tortorella as a coach. There's been a few run-ins already with the press uh, in Columbus. Here yourself being one of them uh, how kind of weird and difficult is it dealing with uh you know the media dealing with with torts right now when they don't have a face-to-face and he can kind of just do whatever he wants uh, in his press conferences yeah well i mean I, it, it is a uh, it's an interesting 
is always an interesting relationship. I think guys who have covered him in the past would tell you the same thing. It's not always the YouTube moments that you see. It's not always the, the Twitter clips. Right. Um, most days, most days are kind of all over the place, but, but there are some days that are just absolutely incredible and unrivaled by just about anybody in this league that I've ever <laughs> dealt with. And I got, you know, if you do, if you're a, a beat writer for a living, you either have thick skin or you develop thick skin. And I'll gladly, am I allowed to cuss on this show? Sure are. <laughs> okay. I'll gladly be treated like shit on, in this, in one in- instance, if there's some payback in the other. Right. Uh, I would rather do that, and I grew up covering baseball, where a lot of times there's, you get treated like shit and there is no there is no other side to it. Tortorella goes on um, roles where he just speaks so freely and openly and colorfully that the challenge with him is similar to the challenge with, with Ken Hitchcock is to not lead every story with a quote from them because they're so interesting. They're so compelling. And so you end up, they end up being the first quote in every story, no matter who you're writing about or what you're writing about, because their, their words and the way they deliver them are so vibrant and colorful. For sure. And there's a lot of coaches like players today that are literally taught and literally take exercises to never say anything interesting. And torts cannot help <laughs> but be interesting. So there, there are times where he hates me, us, and times where you're not pleased with him either, but the reward is the the insights that he just can't help but give you when he lets his guard down. Yeah, so I guess it's worth taking the good with the bad because although he may lose it sometimes, it usually gives you guys some pretty good content to roll with uh, <laughs> for, for the next little bit. We'll get back to this conversation in just a moment. First, I want to tell you guys all about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, more oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts your car will ever need right locked on on their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts car will ever need visit rockauto.com all right let's get into this series a little bit it's coming up real quick on sunday uh super excited for it as i'm sure you guys are in columbus um i've discussed this matchup countless times from a lease perspective so now i'm i'm getting the, our our blue jackets expert on with you aaron um you know i want to get somebody from the other side of the aisle to discuss it how are you handicapping this series what's the thought process going on in columbus right now well if i think broadly about it Uh, To me, Columbus is the team in this series that could play really well and not win because they have such trouble scoring. I think Toronto is the team in the series that may 
without playing their best game because they score easy goals. Uh, I'm not saying all their goals are easy goals. I'm saying they have the talented players, the elite-level players, where they don't need eight different things to go right for them to have a scoring chance to score a goal. Um, And I don't want to minimize the Blue Jackets because they are truly a team that is greater than the sum of their parts. It's a cliche, uh, but it's true. They do. They find strength in their togetherness. Um, But, you know, they, they can check and they get great goaltending and they can still end up losing games two to one, one to nothing. Um, I just, they have so little margin for error. Uh, they did before, and now you take Panarin and Duchesne out of the equation, and their margin for error now is, I, it's just so, so thin. They need, they need a forward to really rise up and be the go-to guy, but they really don't have a singular forward who creates by himself. Maybe Oliver Bjorkstrand, maybe. But then you look at that Leafs roster, the firepower, and you go, man, you know, they could be outplayed sorely. I think of the games that Columbus has played in the playoffs against Pittsburgh, where they've really outplayed them, and you'd never know it from the scoreboard where it's 3-1 to one Penguins. And it may be 36-19 to 19 in shots Columbus, but they just they have such a hard time finishing. So I think the, mar- the margin for error for the Leafs is so much greater than it is for the Blue Jackets, which doesn't sound very optimistic for the Blue Jackets. <laughs> um, I think there's still some other things at play there that could work in Columbus's favor, but on paper, I think this this leans heavily to the Leafs. Do you think it, it being a five-game series as opposed to a seven-game series plays... Uh, a role in this? Do you think either team has a bigger upside for for keeping it to a short five-gamer as opposed to seven? I know I've talked about it before where I think goaltending and coaching may play a bigger factor here just because you talk about that margin of error and, you know, if you need to on the fly make some changes... I personally think that Columbus has the leg up there because you got a guy like Tortorella who, A, has won a cup, B, has made uh, a few cup runs, and then last year, you know, he was able to to down the beast, which was the Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the best teams that we've seen in, in two decades. Um, do you see that as a positive and more of a, a better outlook for, for Columbus as opposed to if it were a traditional seven-game series? Um, I mean, I think a five-game series, certainly lends itself more to upsets, quote-unquote upsets, than Devin does. You've got more time to work it out. Um, You know, I referenced it earlier, and I think this is one thing that Columbus really has on its side is the struggles that Toronto has had in the playoffs in in recent years. Uh, I keep hearing they haven't won a playoff series since 2004. That's not Austin Matthews' cross to bear, right? Right. But the last three years, them losing in the first round, how they lost last year, I think even without fans, even without media hounding them, I, even in that that better be a strong bubble. I don't know how they can avoid feeling as though the bubble's closing in on them if they lose game one. I think they're the team that, that has a mental hurdle to clear early. And on the flip side, I think Columbus gained a ton of confidence, a ton of just know-how. Um, I think there's a, 
it's not arrogance. They still feel like they're the underdog in everything they do. But I, I think just getting that boulder up and over the hill, that's the first time they'd won a playoff series last year. Just knowing what that feels like, what it looks like, how to recognize that moment that I think they recognized in game three against Tampa. And you, there's a moment in every series where you see it, where the one team just does not have an answer for what the other team is doing. And Columbus has faced that uh, many times against Pittsburgh, uh, against Washington, faced it last year against Boston, I think in game five or six, whatever it was. And, and I think the Leafs, uh, I think the Leafs want to play really, really well in game one so they can kind of get out of their heads and just play hockey. In conversation with Aaron Portsline of The Athletic. Um, so what's the game plan for Columbus against Toronto's high-octane offense? You know, you, you talk about how they can they can score at a whim because they've got players like Marner, Matthews, uh, Nylander, Tavares. The list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, what's, what is... Uh, the game plan going to be to try and shut down that dynamic offense? Well, I think it's exactly what it was against Tampa last year. And they, Columbus has a fantastic defense, but it's more than the defensemen who have to defend. Yeah, And that's, that's when they really find their way and find their identity. If you watch this team play, they always have a forward high in the attack zone, always above the puck. They always have three guys above the puck. Uh, and I think, I know, because they, they've said as much, the approach in this series against Toronto is going to be just like it was in Tampa with a few tweaks here and there. But they're going to take very few risks offensively. They're not going to overextend and leave themselves vulnerable going back the other way because they're scared to death of Toronto's transition. They don't want this to be a track meet. So they want to control the puck as much as Toronto does, but they want to control it in Toronto's end. And they want to be smart with it. And when Toronto does get the puck, they want them to have to work for every bit of ice they get coming up the other direction. So the defensemen always have support in the, in the, the way of a forward high in the zone. And it can be, there can be long stretches where not a lot happens uh, because you've got one team that's not taking any chances and basically defending, defending, defending. And the hope is that a team, uh, well, that they'll get a bounce here or there. Something will happen, a bounce. And that, like Tampa did, they'll open up and start getting recklessly risky on their end because they're, they've gone so long without scoring that now they're impatient. And any team in the NHL, anybody who's in the NHL can, can expose that. Um, so they want to be the team that, that, that plays to their identity um, and does not crack under pressure. Even if they get down one nothing, it's not going to change. They're going to be the same way they are. Every, and I think it was early in Game 3 when Josh Anderson's just crushing people on the forecheck when Tampa, for all intents and purposes, checked out. Like, this is just, this isn't going to happen. We're done. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was like the fighter taking a knee in round five and, and looking to his corner for help. They were done. Yeah. And they, they can do that. Again, they, if I'm the Blue Jackets, it's all there for them 
terms of attitude and style and wanting to. But it's not small. It is not a small thing when you take Panarin, Duchesne out of this lineup by free agency and Josh Anderson by injury. And those are three huge pieces. Maybe they're three best forwards in the playoff series last year against Tampa. So it's not the same team. Yeah, it's definitely something that's a little worrisome coming from a Leafs uh, you know, from the least perspective, just because I look at that team and, you know, Toronto typically tends to kind of play down to opponents and kind of end up playing the opponent's game as opposed to taking charge and, and playing their style of hockey. And it's just something that I'm really hoping that they shake mentally going into this series, because if it turns into a defensive grinded out type game, you know, that totally goes in favor of Columbus. And, you know, that's the one thing that does kind of scare me a little bit going into this series is if Toronto ends up playing Columbus's game, they're not going to win it. But if they can end up opening up the ice and kind of break down that defensive structure that Tortorella has in place, I do like their chances of coming out with the victory. Um, Just because, you know, you mentioned it before, there's not a lot of scoring on this team. Like, I look down the list of players from Columbus, and I see, you know, Bjorkstrand, Atkinson, Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, there aren't many more names that scream out to me after that. But are there maybe a a budding star that, that I just, you know, not being in Columbus, and watching them too often, not following them. Is there a budding star that we should expect to take a big leap in this playoffs? Maybe a guy who you expect to be kind of an unsung hero if at the end of this series it's Columbus moving on. Who's that player that you expect to be that X-factor, unsung hero type guy? Well, I think a guy that not a lot of people have heard of and probably should have by now is Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, He has found a home next to Pierre-Luc Dubois. That makes it the number one line for me. I don't care who's playing in the off-wing right now. It's Nick Foligno. Uh, Bjorkson has one of the great releases and the great shots in this game. He is a wispy, thin fellow that you swear is going to get broken the way that he plays. But he just keeps getting up and keeps going. Uh, he's come a long, long way. He was not just the leading goal scorer this year before he was injured, but also I think it can fairly be said their best forward. Uh, he was the guy that on a lot of nights drove their play uh, before he got injured and before the season went to pause. I mean, they have a couple of other guys, too, that are really, really young, but have to be the difference makers for them. And should be soon. I think it might be a little rich for them in these playoffs. But Alexander Texier is a uh, young player from France, not not uh, French Canada, France, um, who was out quite a bit with the stress fracture in his back. He is back, a sublime passer. Um, so much so that you know, there's uh, there's a lot of players on this team that really can't keep up with the way that that guy moves the puck. And he factored into um, last year's playoffs too, didn't he? He did, yeah. And, and in those games and in the games he played regular season, he looked good, not dynamic. Um, I'm not sure you know, what he'll have to offer in this round, but he has potential uh, to, to, really, to really dazzle. Another guy that, to keep in mind, right now he's on the fourth line, and I'm not sure where it's going with him in these playoffs, but man, can he, can he one-time a puck, is Emil Bemstrom, um, who led the Swedish League in goal scoring at the as a teenager, one of the rare players to do that. 
Um, hasn't he started to kind of find his way at the end of this his rookie season? Um, but was just off a, a hair in all that he tried to do. He's got a fantastic in tight one time or a great release. Um, is still sort of refining how he wants to play and how he can play in this league. But a lot of their skill and their difference-making skill that may someday be able to breathe life into Dubois and Atkinson and those guys' game. Um, those guys are maybe a couple years away, but that's where they are. Another guy to consider is Liam Foodie, who, if you're a hockey dork like I am, just watching the kids skate is entertainment enough because that kid, his first his first three steps are ridiculous and his top speed is almost unfathomable. He doesn't always know where he's going. He doesn't always have the puck with him when he gets there, um, but he is an absolute burner and I, I think he's going to play for them because I think they feel like they need his speed to keep up with the Leafs. Yeah, I think Foodie, Foodie's a guy who I've been hearing uh, quite a bit about coming out of, of Columbus, being one of those guys who they're excited to to get into the lineup. I saw he was skating um, up in the top six a little bit too in, in phase three. I don't know if he was kind of getting jumbled around or they were just taking a peek at him, but he's a player tonight who I'd be excited to see how he stacks up against NHL competition. Um, just kind of like how last year or, or in for the Leafs, Nick Robertson was a player who we were really excited to watch and see how he played up against in um, in our preseason game against the Habs. I think Liam Foody is that player who I'm, I I would be excited for and to watch if I was a Columbus guy. Yep, he's right there. Um, you know, they've got another burner in this lineup named Eric Robinson, who's been with them a couple of years. Foody definitely has the pedigree. First round draft pick. Um, it's, it's an interesting story. I'm hoping to turn it around here in the next few days. But his mom was an Olympic sprinter for Canada in the Olympics 1984. His father won the, the Grey Cup as a defensive back uh, in Ottawa. Uh, it comes from a very accomplished family. Booty was a great track and field runner himself. Probably would have been in the conversation to represent Canada in the Olympics as a hurdler. Oh, wow. Uh, still, owns the provincial, still owns the provincial record in Ontario, ran the 300 hurdles in 37 flat, I think. A tremendous athlete. Um, but again, we, we, they're all great skaters. It's the NHL. There's some guys that are quick in tight spaces. Atkinson is that way. There's some guys that, that are hard skaters. Nick Bellino's that way. But to see... You know, Connor McDavid is a class all of himself, but Foodie can burn. And just to watch the kids skate is is uh, worth the price of a ticket alone. Should be fun to watch that one. Uh, one thing I do want to ask you before I, I move on to uh, uh, our cosine no sign segment, but the one question I do got to ask because it seems like Torts uh, made a little bit of an adjustment to the power play between the regular season and the playoffs. Looks like he's going to go old school and have Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski at the point and kind of have a two D man unit on uh, PP one. Something we just don't see around the league anymore. But you know, for a team that finished twenty six on the power play, is this something that you like to see? Do you believe that this will work? Uh, for this team specifically to try and, and get more offense out of this power play? Well, I look, the Blue Jackets have tried so many combinations. I think there are more Blue Jackets power play combinations than there are Powerball combinations. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, this, we're, talk, we're three and a half years now into it, 
where it doesn't like he, especially when they had Panarin and and Duchesne, um, and, and you know Brandon Saad was on this team three years ago. They've all they have plenty enough. They've Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, Ryan Murray on the back end who can who can run a point. How this team is so completely inept. At, on the power play is just mind-boggling. Um, but so what they've tried, I mean, they're still in a one-three-one formation. So there's there's really one one point man, and it's Wierenski now. Jones has assumed the left half wall, uh, and the wrinkle there is they've used Jones and Wierenski on the power play before, still in a one-three-one alignment. But it's always been Jones at the top run the point and it's been Wierenski on the half wall now it's Wierenski back running the point and it's Jones on the half wall um, is it going to work I I mean they ha- at some point at some point they have to find some click that works um, I, I you know I, I don't know is the, is the honest answer uh, but they continue to search I mean this is a team that brought Paul McLean in as assistant coach mid-season because um, for the second, it's two years in a row now that they've brought another coach in mid-season to help their power play. Yeah. Um, we, we don't see that mid-season in the NHL very often. It was Martin St. Louis two years ago. This year, Paul McClain. So they're desperate for, for I honestly, I think half of what needs to happen is for them to stop being desperate and everybody just kind of shut the hell up about it. Just, just, Put five guys out there that you know can put run a power play, and and go and let it go. I, I think the overthinking sometimes has led them into into troubles. But it has been a unmitigated disaster now for three years. Yeah, and for a team that's you know kind of shorthanded uh, in the goal scoring front, I, I do think that the power play is going to be an important piece for them in this playoff series if they're going to want to compete with the Leafs just to be able to score on the man advantage because you know I just don't see it happening all too much uh, at five on five which you've alluded to before as well um, in conversation uh, with Aaron Portsline of The Athletic all right real quick uh, I'm just going to get a couple of couple of questions in here for uh, our cosine no sign segment so for those who haven't uh, heard this game before the way it goes is I'm going to make a statement if you agree you cosign it if you disagree you no sign it so question number one for you Aaron we will have at least one game go to overtime in this playoff series. Uh, cosine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. And I, if I'm correct, even the qualifying round will be handled as though it's a playoff game in terms of sudden death overtime, no, no shootout. Is that your understanding as well? Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, all right, number two. We will see, which I guess... You kind of answered this one earlier, but we'll see if you believe it still. We will see at least three goalies play in this series. You're talking total both teams? Yeah, so I think for, for Toronto, Freddie Anderson, uh, barring like an eight-goal outburst in game one from, from Columbus, I, I think Freddie's a lock to, to play all three games, and I would be very, very surprised to see Jack Campbell in net. So really, it comes down to the fact of whether or not you believe that Columbus is going to end up playing both of their goalies, Corpusalo and Merzlikens. Well, let me, let me, I'll say... Uh... 
co-sign, but I'll disagree with you on that. I think there's, I don't think it's out of the question at all that Freddie Anderson gets pulled because I'm not sure anybody knows what Freddie Anderson is going to be like. Yeah. This is a guy who, quite frankly, hasn't come out of the gate too well. This is going to feel, I'm guessing, like coming out of the gate for a lot of these guys. I would assume. Um, we, we might see four goalies in this series, brother. I hope not, because that doesn't mean that uh, that doesn't mean good things for the Leafs if they have to go to Jack Campbell. That being said, I do feel a lot more comfortable with Campbell than I would have with any of the other goalies that we've had for the last two years, whether that was Sparks or Hutchinson or whoever. Um, but I, I just, for me, I, I believe that uh, they won't like Freddie's their guy, and with him needing a contract extension next year, I feel like if they take him out of a game and they start. Jack Campbell, I, I just don't see those conversations going very well, um, and I just don't think that they would do that unless, like I said, he, you know, he gives up an eight spot, and then I think you just kind of, all right, you don't have it, and we don't have enough time to, to let you find your game. We're going to have to move on, but I just don't think that that's going to happen uh, myself. I, I don't know. I, I just, when it comes to Columbus, for me, I, I feel like Merzlikens will hang on to that spot, and I don't know if we will see Corpusallo. I know that you mentioned that Tortorella said he could see a scenario where both goalies get work, but how do you go back and forth between goalies? That usually doesn't work very well um, in in a playoff series when you start flip flopping and, and you go with a tandem. There's not many times where that's turned out to be a successful story by the end of the series. No, that's fair. I I, I just think on on both sides. Uh, game one is going to be treated like game three. And it it gets serious really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. In these series. I think from Columbus's standpoint, I think it's different if Toronto pulls Anderson than if Columbus pulls either of the guys that they start because they're, they're both young. They're both trying to find their wheels as a number one. They both have shown the ability to do it, but there's not an entrenched starter here like there is in Toronto. It's much more of a story in Toronto, I think, if if Anderson gets pulled. Definitely. Because he's, then his future gets is murky. I think, you know, oddly enough, whoever gets pulled for Columbus, and if uh, Freddie gets pulled, the guy who gets who gets pulled for Columbus might end up in, in Toronto next year because I don't think it's out of the question that Columbus will have a, uh, um, a goalie to, to put on the market. I think they're, they'll be looking to move one of those guys um, because uh, they're both starters and only one guy can start. Hey, if they can bring in an impact goal scorer on, on any, from any team around the league, like there's a bunch of teams that need goalies now. I, I firmly believe that Calgary needs a goalie if they want to actually make a run at the playoffs at some point. I think uh, Carolina's going to need a goaltender. I'm not as sold on, on Mrazic as, as most. I think there's a few guys around the league who could use a goaltender and have some forwards that some goal-scoring punch that they could probably part with or even some draft capital or something. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Blue Jackets went into next season with only one of those guys on their roster. Uh, third one for you, and this is more of an overarching uh, question, I suppose. Um and it's about Josh Anderson. Do you believe Josh Anderson will suit up in this series or not? Well, I don't think that he will. I'll say uh, no sign. Um, but I'd like to 
reserve the right to change my mind on this. <laughs> he, I, he is with the team. They took him into the bubble with them. And he is skating, has been for a while. So my knowledge has not been cleared for contact. Um, the clubs are really careful with injuries this time of year anyways. But as we're basically, they're basically on the moon playing hockey right now and we're not near them. Um, so it's really hard to, to, you can't put your eyes on Josh Anderson. I won't be surprised. I, I don't expect it. But I won't be totally surprised if he plays in this qualifying series at some point. I think they would love to have him as a as a surprise element. So we may not hear um, if he's close to playing or not. They'll keep that under wraps if they can. Um, but you know, it's been it was four to six months recovery when he had the surgery in March, and we're coming up on five months now since he's had the surgery. So he's right in the middle of, of his return window. So I, at this point, I rule nothing out. And I think he could be a guy who could give Toronto some fits just because, you know, he's a bigger player and and uh, he's a guy who can score goals and go hard to the net. So uh, Josh Anderson, I think, would, would be a nice boost for Columbus if he is at some point able to join the team. I think if he joins the team, the Blue Jackets' chances of winning the series goes up dramatically. Yeah. I think he's that important. Which leads me to my fourth and final question for you. The Blue Jackets will defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs in a best of five series. Cosign or no sign? Uh, no, no sign. And <laughs> I don't rule it out. I don't think it's possible. I think if anybody can spring an upset, it's them. I just, I, I keep, I, to me, it's a percentage play, a non emotional percentage play in this. And I, the Leafs, mar, again, their margin for error, I, I think they can. They can have a C-plus game and win. I think Columbus can have an A A game and not get rewarded for it. That's just how the roster is right now in the afterglow of Panarin leaving. So, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's Toronto's series. Um, but as we all learned last spring, anything can happen. Games. Yep, anything can happen. Uh, honest, honest answer from an honest guy, Aaron Portsline. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, had a blast, and and I can't wait till Sunday. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy tonight's game, and then uh, Sunday we get to it. Game one between the Leafs and Columbus. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Aaron Portsline of the Athletic. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I, I know I thoroughly did. Aaron Portsline been covering the Blue Jackets for ooh, about 20 years or so. So if there's any guy who's as plugged in to that team, it's Aaron Portsline. He's been there since the beginning. Uh, he is the guy to talk Blue Jackets hockey. So had to get him. Glad he came. Thanks so much, Aaron. Uh, that was that was a fantastic conversation. Um, that's going to do it for us today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, the final episode 
episode before the game between the Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So be sure to tune into it. It's going to be a good one. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.